Hey there, creative entrepreneur. Tired of getting lost in the social media algorithm? It's time to stop fighting through the noise of your customer's newsfeed with Flowdesk, the email service provider created with your needs in mind. With Flowdesk, creating visually stunning email campaigns has never been easier. Say goodbye to generic templates and complicated design tools. Flowdesk offers a user-friendly interface and customizable templates to showcase your unique brand style. The best part? Flowdesk won't charge you more as your email list grows. No limits, no extra fees, just easy-to-use software at one set price. Ready to try Flowdesk for free? Visit www.sunkissedva.com forward slash Flowdesk today for your 30-day free trial and enjoy 50% off your first year subscription. It's time to stop relying solely on social media to convert sales for your creative business. Let's get real for a minute. Building a creative business online is no easy feat. It takes more than just killer designs and catchy slogans and fun freebies to stand out in the crowd around you. So I'm super excited to bring you 10 ways to market your creative business. Buckle up because we're about to take your marketing game to a whole new level. You're listening to Tear Down the Hustle, the podcast dedicated to transforming how you run your creative online t-shirt business by working smarter, not harder, so you can spend more time with your why, people and passions that matter most in your life. So throw on your favorite graphic tee and turn up the heat press because it's time to turn down the hustle. Here's your host, digital marketer, cold brew lover, t-shirt maker, freckled hype girl, and owner of Sunkist Virtual Assistant, Amy. So today we're going to be talking about 10 different ways to market your business. Some of these you may be already doing, some of these you might not have thought of, or some of these might not be right for your business. The goal today is to take what you need from the episode and apply it in your own style. So the first way to market your business before you do anything else is I recommend you build a recognizable brand. Picture this, your ideal customer is scrolling through a sea of social media feeds and boom, they stop dead in their tracks. Why? Because your brand is so unmistakably you. And we're going to uncover the secrets behind creating a business that oozes style, consistency, and energy, making sure your customers know it's your product before they even need to zoom in to read the watermark. It is important that you have a recognizable brand identity, and this helps you grow and facilitate the like, know, and trust factor. What is that exactly? Well, the first stage of any customer journey is the like stage. So before they even get closer to you per se, they have to like you. They have to be intrigued by what you have to offer, or they gravitate towards you. Once they've decided they like you, then they're starting to get to know you. What are your consistencies? What do you like? What do you dislike? What are you known for? And then they really get to trust you because they know you from there. So they're willing to maybe even make a purchase at this point because they've worked through that like, know, and trust factor. So if you have created a recognizable brand identity, this is going to help facilitate that journey. 
When you're thinking about building your brand and really creating that benchmark, the surface level things are still important, such as your font. So maybe three to five fonts that you use throughout all of your branding. Same with colors. What are your three to five colors that when people see those together, they think of your brand. And that's going to allow you to create a cohesive style. One place I love doing this is in Canva and you can do it in the brand hub. You can create your logos. You can upload them there. You can save all of your colors and your fonts. You can even upload your fonts. And recently you can also upload graphics. So maybe if you have any branded photo shoots that go with your business, you can save them here. And that allows you to make it really easy to create graphics within Canva with your branding easily accessible right there in the app. Your brand should also create a unique vibe to you and also a unique energy that resonates with your target audience. So while it is important to make sure that you are showing yourself through your branding, you also want to think about who is my target audience and would this resonate with them as well. When I think of branding, the main thing that comes to mind is consistency. So again, yeah, you can be consistent with your fonts or your colors. That's the fun stuff. That's the surface level stuff. But what creates a true brand is who you are. Who is your character? Who are you consistently? How do you show up? What's the demeanor of your business? That's what you really want to drill down when you're trying to build a recognizable brand. And as I mentioned in the intro to this idea of the first way to market your business, you want someone to know that is your product or your post without even having to look at the name at who posted it. So as you start to build your own style with these are the products that I offer, this is how I normally show up when I'm going live on social media or when I'm posting pictures on social media, no matter what others are doing, Creating your own recognizable brand is your chance to leave your mark on this small business world. Do you want to be front and center on your customer's personal devices? Of course you do. We all do. Well, that leads us into strategy number two, harnessing the power of email marketing. Believe it or not, 53% of email users actually check their email before they ever check any other form of social media. Also, of all email users, 99% of them check it every day. Even some of them check it up to three times a day. So if you want to connect with your audience, a good way to do that is landing directly in their email inbox. The beauty of an email list is that you own it. You own your subscribers. They said yes, they gave consent to receiving marketing material from you. That list of emails you own. Now, if you were to get locked out of your social media account or for whatever reason social media decides to restrict or block your account, it's gone. How would you connect with your customers if you did not have an email list and you only relied on social media? That's why it's so important to start building and investing in something that you actually own, not investing in your borrowed or rented land, which is your social media. Also, it allows you to cut through the noise and show up directly in your customers' inboxes. You can show up right above their favorite clothing, big box brand store, and you can show up right below their favorite cleaning products. Email marketing truly levels the 
playing field for all marketers. So no matter if there are multi-million dollar brands in their email inbox, you can show up right next to them. And those bigger businesses don't get higher priority. Their inbox is sorted by the time and date it was received, right? It's not organized by, hey, this is a bigger brand. We're going to show this to you first. Whereas sometimes you see that on social media. A great way to grow your email list is first by creating a lead magnet. This is something of value that you can give your audience that they would want to sign up to join your email list in exchange for this item. For e-commerce stores, many times this is like a 10% off or free shipping. If you need to see an example of this for yourself, like what exactly am I meaning by this and joining your email list, how do the two go together? Go to the website of the last store you shopped at and see if there's any pop-ups when you visit their website or any banners at the top or at the bottom saying, join my list. If you join, then you'll get this and you kind of see the exchange and how that works. But if you want to start getting people on your email list, you can do that. Or a quicker option would be if you have a website host provider such as Shopify or Wix or Square, they more than likely have an option where your customers at checkout can select that they do want to receive marketing material from you. And if you enable that, that'll also allow you to grow and start your email list. And what this means is they have agreed to receive content that is outside of related to their specific order that they placed with you, you're allowed to contact them to talk about that. So don't go to your Shopify records and orders and export all of the orders you've ever gotten and start emailing those emails with marketing material and upcoming sales. They didn't explicitly agree to receive marketing material. These marketing strategies weren't purposely put in a certain priority order. But looking back so far, I actually would follow it in the steps that I've talked about so far. So first, it's really important to define your brand. What is it? What are your logos? What are your colors? What is your tone of voice? And then I would jump straight into email marketing. I started email marketing about two years ago, and it has completely changed everything in my business. The main one being peace of mind. I don't have to worry about creating all of this content for social media and then, you know, get a lot of feedback. Hey, I wasn't aware of this offer. or I didn't know this was closing or I didn't get this really important shop announcement. I know that with my email list, if I hit send, that it is arriving in their inbox one way or the other. Now getting them to open it, that's the other part of email marketing, but at least I know that the message actually landed in their inbox or maybe even the spam for some of the providers. Whereas on social media, when I post, it's not even a guarantee that's even going to be shown to them. So email marketing is huge. Okay, so we've covered the first two strategies, branding and email marketing. Now we're going to flow right into the third marketing strategy, which is the one we kind of just talked about, social media. Now you might be thinking, wait, you kind of mentioned it like as it was a bad thing. No, not at all. I think social media and email marketing work beautifully together. Social media allows me to have fun, show up as I am, whether that's real time or scheduled. And I focus on connecting with those who do see the post and who are interested in engaging with me. So anything that I get out of social media, it's truly a bonus as I view it for my business. Now, if I have something important that I do not want people to miss, or I absolutely want them to hear about my next offer, my latest product, 
yeah, I might post about it on social media. If I get a few sales from that, great, that's a bonus, but I'm not relying on that to make me money. I'm relying on sending that through my emails to my email list because I know they're going to receive it. So it's just a different strategy and a different way I'm thinking about social media and email marketing. And because I'm relying on email marketing to necessarily move the needle forward, it allows me to show up lighthearted on social media. And again, whoever engages with me, I'm happy to talk to them there. It's all out of abundance. It is very easy though to want to try all of the different social media platforms. I've made this mistake and then you end up just being mediocre and showing up a little bit here and there on all. It's very hard to manage, let's be honest. A lot of you are running this business on your own. You haven't really got to a point where you're able to hire help or you don't really want to hire help. You just want to grow your business to the point at which you can manage it yourself. So when you're thinking about which social media platforms to either start with or to maybe cut back on, what ones are you going on as a user? So before you maybe even started a business, which platform do you find yourself on wanting to consume content? I recommend starting with that platform One, because you know it pretty well, you know how the features work, you know generally how the flow is and how it goes. Also, you enjoy using it, so you know what kind of content you like to view and which kind of content keeps you coming back. So when you move to the other side of the creator side of the table for social media, you have an idea of what do people like to consume. A common question I get asked is whether or not people should have a Facebook page or a Facebook group. And at the time of the recording of this podcast, I recommend you have both. They function differently, not only in their features and their tools, but also how they show up in people's feeds and also how people integrate with them. So I want you to think about your Facebook page as like a billboard. This is what people see when they're maybe driving by. They don't really know your brand They might want to follow it to kind of get some more information, but they're kind of just onlookers. So even if they're walking by your storefront, let's say, they might, you know, like kind of what they see going on on the outside and they might take a picture of your storefront, maybe the store hours or scanner code, but then they keep on walking. They're not really maybe convinced yet. And at the same time, you might not be convinced that they're your ideal customer to a certain extent. And the reason why I say that is because your Facebook group is where you want all of your ideal customers to gather. And in that Facebook group, that's where you're going to start creating that sense of community. It's fun. Your customers are going to get to know each other. In my retail Facebook group, uh, many times it I forgot it was even a business group. It was just a lot of us just doing life together, posting jokes, posting wins, an occasional selfie rocking the tea, but it just didn't feel pushy. That wasn't the atmosphere that I created. So it was a lot of fun. Now, if you want to think about all of the people that liked my Facebook page and they came in and joined the group, they might not have enjoyed the atmosphere. So your Facebook group might be a lot more targeted in the audience that joined that, but that's okay because that's going to allow you to create a more close-knit environment. So again, your Facebook page is kind of like the billboard, so general announcements, maybe getting some people funneled in that way. Also, a Facebook page is huge because you can run ads from that page. You can't do that for your group. Also, you can post stories on your Facebook page. So again, the technology side of the two just function differently as well. So that's why I recommend having them both. And then the group is really where you're creating that community. Okay, the fourth marketing strategy is going to be leveraging the potential of Pinterest. Pinterest is not covered in the social media strategy because Pinterest is not a social media platform. 
Think of it as actually a visual search engine tool. So when people go to Pinterest, it's because they're looking for something. Think about the last time you went to Pinterest. There's a good chance you were trying to get inspo, as I call it, for something. Maybe it's an area of your house or you wanted a certain recipe. You went there looking for something. Now, over time, depending on what you've saved, your feed will start to show you things with the algorithm of what you might like. So there might be occasional time where you're kind of bored and you want to go scroll, but more often than not, you're probably doing that on social media, which again, when you're thinking about business, if people are going to on social media to be entertained or they're kind of bored. When they see your items, they might not be primed and ready to shop. So that's why social media is great for, you know, entertaining or building connections. Whereas maybe if you're sending that offer via email, they are primed and expecting certain offers that they like and brands that they follow to show up in their inbox. Whereas Pinterest, what serves really well for Pinterest is you can take all of those beautiful mock-ups and product photos that you've created and create a pin out of those. And that's what's going to stop people. So if they're scrolling and searching for a graphic tee of some sort and you You've built a pen that can answer that, especially if you've found a way to incorporate your local area and then they can get connected that much faster to the product that they are interested in. The final reason why I recommend you try out Pinterest for a marketing strategy for your business is just simply because of the longevity of the pins when you do post. So some of those pins could live on for months after you first posted it, driving traffic back to your website or your blogs or your products, wherever you link that to. Whereas a social media post, it usually dies within a few hours, meaning it has some hype and then it gets pushed down further and further down the algorithm. So if you're going to spend a lot of that time creating a social media post, why not also post it on Pinterest as well? If you want some help getting started with Pinterest, I can help. Go to sunkissva.com forward slash Pinterest to check out a 30 minute training I've done on getting started with Pinterest and two different strategies that you can follow step by step to growing out your Pinterest boards. Okay, the fifth marketing strategy is really just flowing with the other ones that we've already covered, especially the one before this being Pinterest, and that's unlocking the power of SEO. SEO might sound like a alphabet soup to you, but SEO stands for search engine optimization. And it's huge when you just take a few extra minutes to optimize your SEO on anything you publish on your website or on the internet for that matter to help organically drive traffic back to your website. When you type something into a search engine, you'll get some results back. Usually the ones at the top are ads. Look closer next time to see if they say sponsored, but then below that, you're going to find the results that actually have the highest SEO compared to what you typed in, meaning their search engine tool is pretty sure that the results they're giving you back are either answering the question that you asked or it's whatever you're looking for. To get started with SEO, it's important that you think about what is the end user typing into that search browser that would cause them to lead to that result. And then you want to take what's called those keywords and add them into your website copy, copy meaning the written word, or you can sprinkle them into the title or the description or even the URL. I'll use Shopify as an example. If you go into where you edit a product on Shopify, scroll down to search engine listing. You might be thinking, 
Oh, I, I've kind of seen that before. I thought it just auto-generated. Well, there are some things we can do to just this area alone that can help optimize for search engines. So first thing is the page title. You can have up to 70 characters. And while it might just auto-fill as the product name that you have listed, you want to think about what do you want displayed when a search engine returns this result. So yes, you could have zebra graphic T, or do you want something to the effect of this is the perfect zebra gra- graphic tee or zebra graphic tee for your next zoo trip, something like that. And then same with the meta description, you can have 320 characters while it might auto fill in with all the specs about the shirt or the item. You want to fill this item in to give them a little bit more insight into what that page title is. So ultimately the page title will probably get them to stop scrolling, but the description that appears right below it is ultimately what's going to get them to click. And then you can change the UR handle around to anything you want. And just like with Pinterest, if SEO is something you've heard about a lot, but you haven't known where to start or why is it important, then I also have a $10 training for SEO. You can go to sunkissva.com forward slash SEO and pick up that training. You'll get video series along with some worksheets to accompany the training. But from that training alone, you could watch it in an evening and implement nearly all of the practices right away. But the big key takeaway for SEO is that it's something that you should build into your habit pattern when you're creating products or creating content or posting on whatever channels you're posting, because it is possible to return a search result, believe it or not, for public facing social media posts. I've seen it happen for my own business. So you want to start just wherever you are today. If you want to go back and try to update SEO on past website publishings, you can, but I just recommend you start from today going forward. And then if you get in a good habit pattern of that, then go back and update the prior listings. We are halfway through the 10 marketing strategies I recommend. Let's just recap and then we'll continue on. So number one was building a recognizable brand. Number two is harnessing the power of email marketing. Number three, master social media. Number four, leverage the potential of Pinterest. Number five, unlock the power of SEO. And next, we're going to take some of these marketing strategies to in-person, which with number six, it's make an impact at vendor events. Vendor events are a whole separate world and vibe. There's nothing like preparing for a show, getting excited, trying to figure out if you have enough inventory, forgetting to bring any sort of food or making last minute coffee runs. There is just a lot going on at vendor events that it's easy to get tunnel vision to the point of where you're only focusing on sales, but you don't want to just focus on making money. If you do, you're losing out on a big opportunity at these vendor events. You need to be looking left and right, not just out. When I say left and right, I'm talking about the other local vendors at that event. This is a perfect time to network, get to know them, figure out if there's opportunities in the future to work together where the old school, you know, share for share, like for like. (laughs) Are there any opportunities for that up and coming? Vendor events is a great time to do that. 
But let's focus on growing your customer base. When we talked about in marketing strategy number one, building a recognizable brand, you have a perfect opportunity to do this at a vendor event. It's not only how your booth is displayed, but how are you acting as that business owner? It's a great time for you to get in front of your customer base where they can meet you in the flesh. Because for many of you, you only run your business online, so they might not ever get a chance to meet you in person. This is a great opportunity to do that. Moving on to marketing strategy number seven, tap into the power of word of mouth. When it comes to growing your business, there's nothing quite like the power of the word of mouth. Focus on creating a remarkable experience and top-notch customer service that your customers can't help but share with their coworkers, friends, and family. Just to make sure you understand how important word of mouth is for a business, let alone a small business, I've pulled these statistics from semrush.com just to show you some numbers here. So it says 23% of people talk about their favorite products with friends and family every day. 78% of people rave about their favorite recent experiences to people they know at least once per week. This is a big one. 90% of people are much more likely to trust a recommended brand, even from strangers. Next, 88% of people had the highest level of trust in a brand when a friend or family member recommended it. Out of the top five popular ways to recommend a business, word of mouth comes first, followed by Facebook, Google, and Twitter. 26% of people will completely avoid a brand if their family or friend tells a negative story about their experience. And then lastly, 21% of people will lose trust in a brand, whether they've been a customer or not, because of bad word of mouth. Now, those statistics are very telling. If you didn't believe me before, you now know that word of mouth is huge for a business. Even without these statistics, I'm a firm believer because I saw word of mouth single-handedly grow my graphic tea business when I first started. So it started with making things for family and friends, and then they would either wear the item or rock the tote. Then coworkers would ask them, where can they get one? And then my friend or family member would come ask me, hey, can you make one for so-and-so? I was like, oh my gosh, they actually want to pay for this. And then you start to get better and it just grows and grows from there. Again, that is word of mouth. And because we know word of mouth is so powerful, we want to encourage our customers to share their experience, both with maybe inside your group and maybe with others. We want to make sure that they know that we want them to share. And if you want to compensate them for sharing, we will get to that in a future marketing strategy. Moving on to marketing strategy number eight, conquer local storefronts. If you have only an online business, no one may see your products physically unless you're doing like those vendor events. So if you can coordinate with local storefronts, this is an awesome way to have your physical products displayed. Next time you're in your hair salon or you visit a coffee shop or you're going to get your nails done, look around at the front of the store and see if they have other merch from other small businesses displayed. If they do and you become a regular frequent visitor, build up the courage to maybe ask them, you know, what 
do you need to do to get your items displayed there? And just ask the question, what could it hurt? Even if people aren't necessarily buying from that product display and bringing in a lot of income, that is giving you brand awareness and sharing your brand throughout the local community, which is huge. You can leave your business card. So even if that storefront doesn't necessarily have products displayed, is there a wall of business cards? You can make it very inviting and enticing to come check out your business more. And you might be thinking, why would they want to display my products? Well, even if they don't have a referral system put in place, maybe you can work something out with the business owner or the storefront owner that says, hey, every product that is sold from this storefront, I'm going to give you X back in commission. So maybe that little nudge from the storefront owner that says, hey, why make your coffee? You can look at some other local businesses over in that corner up front. Just by them saying that and directing the customer, one that's word of mouth because they're guiding that customer over to this display and they trust that owner with their coffee. So now they're more likely to trust them with their other recommendations, but it's also incentivizing that storefront owner that, Hey, if I'm going to be getting a commission off of products sold from my shop, What does it hurt to just direct the incoming customers focus over there? Whereas maybe if there was an affiliate set up, they might not say that. So it just depends. You have to know the storefront owner and the vibe and get a feel for the environment before you know how to approach that. Another thing you can do is a lot of local towns have a booth rental place. So it's a big warehouse or storefront. And instead of it just being one boutique, it actually is a bunch of booths that you can rent permanently and you pay like a monthly fee and you can have all of your products displayed and then people come in and shop and they shop all of the booths. So it's like a standing vendor event pretty much. And then you get commission from that as well, not only brand exposure. So also check out in your local town if you can rent a booth and if that's something that is feasible and makes sense as a next step for your business. Moving on to marketing strategy number nine, we're almost done. This one we kind of alluded to, unleash the power of affiliate marketing. So you might not be at a point of where you can hire employees or even independent contractors for your business, but what you can do is build an army of marketers spreading the word about your business. It's pretty sweet, huh? So you're able to compensate them via the referrals that they send your way, and then you give them kickbacks on the sales that they earn basically as a commission. So more than likely, the more they share, the more they earn. So it's in their hands to decide how much they want to share and what they want to get out of your affiliate program. Going back to word of mouth, this is what encourages word of mouth. So not only do I value word of mouth, but I'm also going to reward you if you are sharing about my business. And then if your friends or family members or those in your circle shop, I want to reward that. And then same with the local storefronts. If they are sharing about your business, they would also be participating in your affiliate program. In episode three of this podcast, normalize asking for an affiliate code. I went over how you can approach businesses that you already love to ask for an affiliate code. You can create a media kit and send their way so you can show why you think you'd be a good fit and kind of give them some details on your business. In an upcoming episode, we will be talking about building your own brand rep or affiliate program. 
But for now, you can go back and check out that episode, episode number three. And this last marketing strategy I saved for last for a reason. And it's because for this strategy, you can tie in all of the other nine just by doing this one. And number 10 is throwing a tea party. A tea party is where you have an online event typically held within a Facebook group, and then you select a host. This host then invites their friends or families to this Facebook group. You're going to curate three product categories with them so they get to pick it out. Then you're going to build products that are around those themes. They also get to pick out their virtual party decor, which is your engagement graphics, and they will earn a commission based off of all party sales, typically 10 to 15% of the total party order while their guests are having fun, playing games, winning prizes, potentially even shopping at a discounted rate. All around, it works, and it is a lot of fun. So let me go back through and talk to you about how all of the previous nine marketing tips fit into a tea party. Number one, with building a recognizable brand, you do this within a tea party because you set the stage. You set the tone that one, you have great customer service. You have amazing products. Number two, number three, you know how to have a good time and throw a party and be uplifting and encouraging and consistent by showing up. So right off the bat, when somebody joins a tea party, when they're new to your business, you are setting the tone that this is a business that you want to follow and be a part of and eventually hopefully buy. Number two, harnessing the power of email marketing. Tea parties are a great way to build your email list right off the bat with a membership question. When they go to join the party, you can have, would you like to join my email list where you can receive future updates and product releases? You have to make sure that you delineate and make it clear that it's for marketing purposes, not for you to send them an invoice. If you do capture their emails for sending them an invoice from the party, you need to get explicit separate consent that they do want to sign up for your email list. Again, that is very important, but tea parties are a great way to build out your email list. Marketing strategy number three, mastering social media. You can do that with a tea party because you're showing up online. They know what to expect from you. They're getting a taste of your consistent graphics and branding. And you can check that out by going to my website and looking at the tea party planners. Those are the party graphic side and all of the tea party scripts from start to finish on how to throw a tea party. Then when they get out of the tea party, they're going to go join your VIP group where you're going to keep it consistent with the content calendars and the engagement graphic side of the house. So same graphic themes, but they're used for a different purpose. Next, marketing strategy number four, leveraging the potential of Pinterest. You can create a pen about how to join and host a tea party. You can showcase some of the brands or even just make a pen where it has like party rewards and sales and like a testimony from the party from the host and get them encouraged to come sign up. And you can probably do that with marketing strategy number five, unlocking the power of SEO. If you create those pens that are unique to your local area, there's a good chance you're probably going to get some local hosts as well. Or maybe someone's just searching online, online parties in X city, bam, you're going to return in the search results. If you have optimized your blog, explaining tea parties and how they can host on your website. 
Number six, marketing strategy, make an impact at vendor events. You can create a little booth area of your display that says, hey, would you like to host? You can create a fun vision board with different graphic themes and allow them to pick. You can even take it a step further by going ahead and having a clipboard out there where they can go ahead and sign up for a date that you have available. If you put out like a fishbowl jar where they can sign up and be contacted, make sure you go ahead and put some paper in the bowl so it already looks like others have signed up. Just kind of creates that FOMO effect. Number seven, tap into the power of word of mouth. This is amazing because when a host signs up for a tea party, they're inviting all of their friends and family. Even if they don't know your business, your host is becoming is vouching for you. So they're going to hopefully post, you know, Hey, I've gotten these shirts from Amy. I love them. Look at me rocking them. She's my graphic tea dealer. You got to check her out. So that's encouraging and facilitating an environment for word of mouth. Marketing strategy number eight, similar to number six, utilizing local storefronts. You can have an area where it says, Hey, do you want to host a tea party? Scan this QR code and sign up or learn more. Very easy way to do it when people are waiting in line so you can get the word out there. And then marketing strategy number nine, embracing affiliate marketing. This is perfect for tea parties because you are incentivizing and rewarding the host. The more sales they get, the more kickback they receive. So it's a win, win, win. It's a win for you as a business owner because you're getting your brand out there and you might be making more sales. It's a win for the host because they're potentially getting free product or at least discounted product. And then for the guests, they're having a fun time and getting that desire met, maybe even a need with the graphic tea they've been looking for. So tea parties are amazing. If you want to check out more about tea parties, you can go to my website and check out tea party planners. Ooh, that was a lot. We covered 10 marketing strategies for your creative business. They range from email marketing to word of mouth to getting started with branding. All of them are so important. Oftentimes business owners get you know, they post on social media and then they're not getting orders and then they just sit and they're like, I don't know what's working. Sales are slow. Maybe I need to close up shop. Yes. Posting on social media is one small sliver of the entire marketing strategy. Now I hope you will think about the other nine and how you can incorporate them into your business. Some are going to be more natural for you to engage in and maybe even enjoyable. I highly recommend you find the ones that you enjoy doing or setting up or work for your business. And then others, you might decide, ah, this is not best for my business. But if you try it and then it doesn't work out right away, don't quit. It takes consistency and effort over time and building that strategy. And then over time, you start to reap the rewards. So if you post on Pinterest and you're not seeing any clicks and you're like, oh, this is dumb, this isn't working, don't quit. Or if you're your email list, if you build out your email list and you have 15 people on it and you're like, man, but I want 50, I only have 15, don't quit. That's 15 people. What if 50% of those people bought once a month? That would be huge for your business versus relying on the algorithm. So again, go through these marketing strategies, figure out which ones you're going to implement, especially with six months left in the year. You have plenty of time to hit a few of these very hard. I'd love to hear from you on which of these marketing strategies you're going to implement or which ones you have already implemented are working well for your business. Just go ahead and search Turn Down the Hustle on Facebook. Come join us in the private free community Facebook group, make a post and share all about it. 
It's time to wrap up another incredible episode of Turn Down the Hustle. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode and found some valuable insights to fuel your journey. Don't forget to visit sunkissedva.com forward slash podcast to access the show notes for this episode. You'll find all the links mentioned in today's discussion, along with actionable tips and resources to help you implement what we've discussed. Lastly, make sure to hit that follow button so you never miss another episode. I'll be here cheering you on and sharing more inspiration and strategies to help you turn down the hustle and work smarter, not harder. I'm so honored to be a part of your journey. Until next time.